Amen. Praise God. What an awesome time of the year. Amen. It never gets old. Christmas is always, it's like it's always happening for the first time. It sneaks up on us. Amen. No matter how much we try to plan, it's always running around at the last minute. I ran into somebody the other day, I forget who it was, that comes to church here. And they said, Christmas shop? I said, yeah, this is the first of the Christmas shopping that I'm doing, like, yesterday. So, but thank God my wife takes care of all that. She likes to do that. Right? All the wives said? Amen. I think she purposely keeps me away from everything, so. Amen. So, you guys ready to, uh, yeah, she said amen. Yeah, she figures the less I know, the better it is. Why aggravate me? So, but all kidding aside, um, every year we try to do the best we can to make sure that our hearts are prepared for this holiday. It should never just go by. We should always be ready to celebrate it for what it really is. Not so much about the gifts, although we like gifts, and we know that it represents the gifts that were given to Jesus, but it also represents the gifts that God has given to us. We understand that. And we know about the lights and the decorations, and it's all wonderful. But what good is having all that if in our hearts we really don't understand what this, what are we celebrating? What is the meaning of it? What is the significance? What changed in mankind when Jesus came to this earth? And we know our theme this entire month has been about light and how light is always associated with Christmas. Outdoor decorations, the tree lights, candles. Some cultures around the world celebrate Christmas with torches and bonfires. Now, we know that light dispels darkness. Light reveals paths. It brings warmth. It makes one feel safe. You know, what? When we're, we're, you ever walking around someplace at night and it's just very dark and you just don't feel safe. You feel like... Uh, but when, when lights come on, when, when you, you, you carry something, you put your phone and you, you, know, you put your flashlight uh, on the phone and, and it kind of lights the way for you. That's what Christmas should do for us. But not just Christmas the holiday, but Christmas the fact that our God loved us so much. They literally limited himself to a flesh and blood and bone body and came to this earth, having to subject himself to all the limitations that you and I have in this earth, in this body, in this earth suit. Light is always used as a symbol of wisdom. Light is used as a symbol of education and understanding. In John chapter 1, in the Gospel of John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was nothing made that was not made by him. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Some translations saying the darkness cannot overcome it or extinguish it. Light is associated with miracles. You know, last night was the last night of the holiday of Hanukkah. It's an eight-day holiday. And it uh, celebrates, it's, it's, called, it's referred to as the Festival of Lights. It celebrates God's miracle of causing one day's worth of lamp oil to be extended and to last for eight days. That miracle of light has given hope to the Jewish people 
for the past 2,200 years. And I don't think it's by coincidence that it falls at the same time as our Christmas celebrations. They're both celebrations of the light, both celebrations of hope. Amen? I want to start tonight by asking two questions. We're going to take them one at a time. Do you have an appreciation for the light? I hope we do. Do we understand what it costs Jesus to make his light available to this dark and degenerate world? And it just seems like it keeps getting worse. It just seems like it keeps getting darker. If you've been around for a little while, if you've been around for a few decades, you realize, like, what's wrong? What, what changed? What happened? It didn't feel this dark even just a few decades ago. It didn't feel like our society was, had cast off so many boundaries and so many restrictions, and now it's like anything goes. And it's almost like a contest between individuals to see how degenerate things could get in our society. Do we understand what it cost him? And the more we are exposed to the light, the more it should reveal to us the sin in our lives that need to be repented of, the areas that still need to be transformed. Now, I know somebody would say in a situation like this, but isn't all our sin forgiven? Yes, our sin is forgiven. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't get rid of the sin that's in our lives so we can move forward with the plan that God has for our life. I'm going to say it again, because I, I feel like you guys shut down there for, for, for a second. Yes, as far as God is concerned, our sin has been forgiven. But that doesn't mean we should still keep entertaining sin, even though it's been forgiven, because of the, because of the consequences. We should be looking to get rid of more and more of the things in our life that we realize as we grow older and as we grow closer to God, we realize, hey, this area is still not being transformed, or this area of my life, or this attitude, or this conduct. I'm still entertaining this stuff. You say, well, what's the big deal? If our sin's been forgiven, no, it is a big deal, because it literally can, can stall you. It can stall the plan of God in our lives, and we don't want that. How many of you want? How many of you want to fulfill the plan of God for your life? I mean, no matter how old or how young we are, we still should want to fulfill the plan of God. In every season of life, God has a plan for us. And it's progressive. There's no season of life that we say, well, this season's over. I fulfilled what God wants, and that's it. I'm done. No. As soon as you have breath in your lungs, as, as long as you have breath in your lungs, we should be looking to fulfill, doing everything possible to fulfill the plan of God that he has for this season we're in right now. Not only that, but on Wednesday nights, if you don't come on Wednesday nights, I suggest you try to make it out. Now, we won't have any Wednesday night for the next two weeks, but once we get into the new year, try to start coming on Wednesday nights. We're talking about relationships. And the thing I spoke a lot about this past Wednesday night was the fact that we should want to get rid of the sin in our lives just for the fact that it affects the relationships around us. Do I need to spend a lot of time on this? Our sin affects other people. When we refuse to allow certain areas of our lives to be transformed, regenerated, renewed by the word of God, when we refuse that, when we, when we, when we resist the dealings of the Holy Spirit, that's going to affect the people around us. Now, it's a pretty selfish thing for us. 
If we recognize our selfishness, if we recognize our self-centeredness, if we recognize that we have the tendency we can be mean sometimes, and, and we recognize that the Holy Spirit's like shining the light there going, come on now. It's time to change this. And we, re- we refuse to change that. Don't you think that's going to affect the relationships that we have? Especially the ones that are the closest to us. So for that reason alone, we should be wanting to draw closer and closer. We should be very much more aware of the light that's been made available to us. And therefore, we should have greater and greater appreciation for that light. Amen. Because the light desires to shine in our darkness so that it can dispel that darkness. Amen? You know, as we come closer and closer to him, we should be coming more and more in his image and in his likeness. We should be coming. The light should become brighter and brighter in the lives of believers, not dimmer and dimmer. Have you met anyone? Or have you ever been the one that has actually gone backwards in their walk with God? Started out on fire. Started out, man, just so impacted by that born-again experience when Jesus Christ's spirit came to live inside you. Man, it's like everything's brand new. And then we get comfortable with it. And then we get used to it. And then it doesn't affect us as much. We don't feel the conviction as much. No, it should be the other way around. We should be growing brighter and brighter. That light on the inside of us should be getting brighter and brighter. And scripturally, we see that this is correct. Proverbs chapter 4. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version, starting in verse 18. But the path of the just, or we can say righteous, is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until it reaches a full strength and glory in the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. When you're in darkness, you don't even know what's stumbling you. When you're walking around in darkness, you're tripping over things. There's no clear path. But when we're introduced to the light, and he is the light, amen? Amen. Then it says, just like the dawn, the dawn comes, you get a little bit of a light, and then as the day progresses, it gets brighter and brighter until the noon. Amen? Well, that's symbolic of our lives with God. When we first come to Christ, when we first give our life to him, when when we allow him to come in and flood us with his spirit, it's like the dawn of a new day. Amen? But it should be getting brighter and brighter and brighter. Not, well, my sins are forgiven, I can live any way I want. No, if you have that kind of attitude and you've been living that way, I doubt very much if you have experienced the genuineness of... Christ coming into your life. Amen? John chapter 3, verse 19. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Brighter and brighter. Bright, that, should, that should be our, our motto for every day, brighter and brighter. Every day, growing brighter and brighter. Not that, not that we're shining, but that we allow Christ to shine through us. Because the world is getting darker and darker and darker. And so our light should be shining brighter and brighter and brighter. It should be an increasing in brightness 
and darkness should be increasingly less and less within our hearts, within our souls. We know we can't control what everybody else does. You notice this? Or is it just me? We, we cannot control what other people do. Yet almost all the time, we, our prayers are centered around getting somebody else to change. Yeah, yeah, the light bulb just went off, huh? <laughs> Pastor, pray for my kid. Pastor, pray for my husband. Pastor, pray for my wife. Pastor, pray for my boss. Pastor, pray for my neighbors. They're bothering me. <laughs> Why don't we start praying, Father, open my eyes to who I am. Father, open my eyes. What areas am I not allowing your light to shine through? And what areas are people seeing and they're being affected by the darkness in my life rather than being affected by the light? Do you think maybe if other people saw that, saw the light brighter and brighter in us, that maybe there would be a motivation and incentive to change? I mean, I don't know what drew you to the gospel, what drew me to the gospel, because I saw people that were on fire for God. I met people that were genuinely on fire for God. And their countenance was they're just bright. It was like what it must have been like to see Moses come off the mountain and his face was shining so much that the Israelites said, put something on that thing. You know, uh, wear something. The light is too bright. I want to read you an excerpt from an article that I read. Have you ever wondered why many great men of God, such as Peter, Paul, etc., had great revelation of their sinfulness? Decades into Paul's experience, he's still referring to himself as the greatest of sinners. Now, I am not preaching, and neither do I believe, that we should really focus on our sin all the time, and our past especially, but I think we need to let the Holy Ghost, the light of Jesus, shine in us and point out to us the areas where, and I think the biggest thing is selfishness. And that selfishness can come from a lot of different reasons or trigger points. But most of the time, it's fear. It's fear. We're afraid of doing without, and so we become fearful, become selfish. We want to hold on to things. We're afraid of not being noticed, so we're selfish in conversations. We're afraid for many different reasons, and that forces us to become, to go into a self-preservation mode. And you can't go into a self-preservation mode without becoming self-centered and selfish, where the attention is on self. Yet Jesus paid almost no attention to himself, did not walk in any kind of fear, and doesn't want us to walk in any kind of fear. Because when fear is banished from our life, we're very free with everything, with our emotions, with our love, with our attention, with our resources. When fear goes, we don't pay attention. Those things don't have an effect on us anymore. Jesus coming to earth brought revelation of that to us. So he goes on to say, and it's because when you start seeking the face of God, like Peter did, like Paul did, you get closer to the light. When you start getting closer to the light, you start to see more sin than ever before. Some Christians are not that close to the light. They stay at a distance so that the light doesn't shine on their great sinfulness. Billy Graham said this, when I first became a Christian, I didn't truly understand 
how sinful I was. As I started to grow and sought to know God, to be alone with him, the light shined brighter and brighter and it showed me different areas of my life where I fell short. The closer I came to Christ, the more aware of my sins I became. If Jesus Christ did not die for our sins, then we have no hope. The light makes the cross of Jesus Christ even more glorious. Jesus is our only claim. This is, this is why as believers, we walk in the light and we continually confess our sins. Now, I know there's, some, there's a facet of, church, of the church right now across, this, across the earth that is believing this. Well, if I've been forgiven, I shouldn't have to confess my sins. How disrespectful does that sound? How arrogant does that sound? Now, unless you, you're walking, you know, if you're walking through life with the assumption that you're going to go sin anyway because you're not going to stop your flesh from getting whatever it wants, then I can understand you'd want to justify that. But even as a matter of honor, as a matter of respect, when we sin against one another, there's an expectation for forgiveness. I'm talking about between believers, or there should be. But does that mean that we don't go to the person and say, listen, I'm sorry, I really messed up there. I shouldn't have said what I said. I shouldn't have did what I did. I'm really sorry about that. Even as an act of respect, yes or no? Well, how much more should we be that way with God, with our Father in heaven? I think it's good for us. I think it's good for us, in a genuine way, to humble ourselves before God and say, Father, I'm so sorry. I've really made a mess out of things here. If you don't, if you don't help me, I'm going to stay this way the rest of my life, and I don't want to do that. I've mentioned this before how many times. I don't know about you, but I've prayed prayer sometimes. Jesus, don't come today, please. I don't want you to find me like this. Do you understand what I'm saying? 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Cleanses continuously. Say, well, I I thought I was coming here tonight to hear a Christmas theme message. Yeah. Christ came to defeat sin in our lives. Christ was born into this world to defeat sin and the power of sin over mankind. And so we should very appropriately be speaking about this subject tonight because I'm assuming we are getting our hearts ready to honor him for being born into this world and into this realm. When we repent and put our trust in Christ alone for salvation, then we will be a light unto others. Not only do we see everything clearly, but the light will come to live inside of us and the light of the gospel will transform us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, along these lines, same thought. For you were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now this celebration of Christmas should make us desire to become more and more like him. Amen? Oh, what are we celebrating? If we're not celebrating the fact that he came into this world to experience everything that you and I experience as a human being on earth, 
If we're not celebrating that, if we're not celebrating the fact that he came, this sinless, spotless lamb of God who came specifically to bear upon himself all the sins of mankind. And you know, we hear this so much, but do we understand it? We hear it so much, but have we developed an appreciation for the light? Or has he become a burden to us? Well, I see everybody else out in the world having fun. If you think that way and you allow that mindset to stay in in your belief system, you will see Christ as a burden and not as the gift of God onto this earth. Because deep deep inside, if you still have the desire to go and do the things you used to do, or maybe you never stopped doing them. Okay, well, you sound like you're preaching a bunch of legalism. No, I'm teaching balance here tonight. I'm teaching balance here tonight. Because just because we've been forgiven, Christ has paid for us, his blood has given us access into eternity with him, does not mean that we should be, that we should treat that frivolously, that we should treat it lightly, that we should not have an appreciation. I believe we of all people on this earth should have an appreciation at this time, at Christmas time, that he came and was born of a virgin, came into this earth specifically to offer himself as a sacrifice for your sins and for my sins. Amen? Second question. We know about the light. We know what light symbolizes. We understand that his light has come to live inside of us. But are we walking in the light? I have a feeling we're a lot, we're a lot more prone to point out the darkness in other people's lives than we are to take an inventory and see, am I walking in the light? Jesus, in, in, in John chapter 9, Jesus said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And again, in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, we can know about the light. We can read about the light. We can tell other people about the light. But are we walking in the light? And that's a question that only you can answer and only I can answer for myself. We're told in John 8, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me, follows continuously, not once in a while, not once a week, not once a month, not once every three months. If we follow him, we'll not walk in darkness. So he said, I am the light of the world. But then in Matthew chapter 5, he said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, he's saying to us, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now, watch this now. Let's go over this again. He said, let your light shine before others, before others. So that that means there has to be an outward demonstration, yes or no? It has to be an outward manifestation. It has to be something that people can see. All right? He said, let your light shine before others so that they will do what? So they may see your... Go ahead, say it. Don't be afraid. So they can see your... 
Good works. Good works. So good works we see now, according to Jesus, is a way of shining the light. Yes or no? But watch this now. He said that they may see your good works and do what? And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Did he say that your good works are going to get you in heaven? No. So these good works that shine as light, are they for the non-believer or are they for the believer? The believer. Who are they supposed to impact? The non-believer. Do you see it? So are we walking in that light? Are we demonstrating the fact that we have the light of Jesus Christ on the inside of us? Are we demonstrating it in the way we think, the way we talk, the way we act? Do we demonstrate it? Are we demonstrating it when we see somebody in need? Like John says later on in his writings, that you just say, be warm, be filled, go your way. Or do we allow the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts and move us in such a way where we'll, we'll do something to help relieve the burden in someone else's life? Are you shining the light? Are you walking in the light? Is there a visible demonstration of the light in your life? Now, I'm not saying we should become actors. I'm not saying that, well, when I go outside, when I go out of my house, now I have to act like a Christian. Oh, honey, you either are or you're not. You notice there's no acting lessons. We don't have special classes here. Hey, come to the class at such and such a time at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning for acting lessons, so you'll act like a Christian. All right? Yes or no? Let me ask you this question. When you go out to dinner, is there a visible manifestation? Or do you walk in and expect everybody to... Do you treat people nice? Are you grateful? Do you leave like a a 5% tip? No, you see where the nerve gets hit? Like I said before, if that's the way you conduct yourself, don't tell people where you go to church. I mean, yes or no? Is it, is it, or are you one of those ones you walk in, when you walk into the diner or you walk into a restaurant, do the waitresses all look at each other, or the wait staff, do they look at each other like, no, you take them, I don't want them. <laughs> no, see, we don't see it so much here because there's not that many of us here in New Jersey, but when we lived in Oklahoma, that was a known thing because in Tulsa, everybody's supposed to be a Christian. But you knew who Christians were and who they weren't when you went out to dinner with people. Because all the, see, all the waiters, all the wait staff all talked to each other. And many of them were Bible school students in the college that we were there, and they were working in the restaurants. And some of them would outright say, no, I'm not waiting on that person, because they never leave a tip. They're nasty. They're always wanting more than what everybody else can get. You don't think people talk to each other. They talk to each other. So, so there's many practical ways to show this light. If God moves on you and you're out at the mall or something and, and you see somebody, then, and, and don't look with the natural eye. Say, well, they look like they're put together. They look like they're pretty good. Oh, they're, they're driving. I saw them get out of a nice car. How do you know that car wasn't borrowed? How do you know that car doesn't belong to their neighbors across the street? How, well, they look like they're dressed nice. You can't, you see, what you're doing is you're looking at the natural and now you become the judge whether you're going to shine that light or not. Well, I don't think they need help. But if the Holy Ghost is saying to you, 
Go help that person. Go help that person. I remember one time the Holy Spirit spoke to me to bless somebody who I knew did not, they could have put me in their pocket. You understand what I'm saying? But the Lord said, and I still want you to bless that person. I want you to bless that person financially. And so when I blessed the person, the person said, what are you doing? You know I don't need this. I said, it's not about your need. It's about me obeying. And so you need to learn how to receive too. You know, that's a big problem. If you're a person that's used to, you know, you're the one always doing, doing, doing. You're the one always blessing. You still need to learn how to receive too. Now, we were that way. In my beginning of my Christian experience, we were the ones who were constantly forking out for everybody. Pay this one's mortgage. Pay that one's electric bill. Pay this one's car. Pay this one's kid's tuition in school. Then when the tides turned, because of some stupid decisions that I made, all of a sudden now we're in the opposite position. It was tough for us to receive because we were the ones always used to going out buy groceries for a whole family. We were the ones that used to paying off people, you know, paying a person's car payment for the month or paying their mortgage payment for the month. It was a tough thing for us to, us to receive. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But you still have to learn how to do that. Okay? Because when we receive, we're acknowledging that God is the one that's in control. When we refuse, well, I don't think that person needs any help. After all, you know, what I say they go to Starbucks uh, five days a week. <laughs> you, you see what you're doing? You're judging with your natural mind. Maybe God just wants that person to know. I know what's going on in your life. I love you. I want to bless you. Or it's just a token. It's not about the money or about the groceries or about whatever. It's about, wow, God thought enough of me to tell this person to come and bless me. That's what it's all about. But what do you do? When you're doing that, what are you doing? You're shining the light. I'm asking you this question tonight. Number one, do you have an appreciation for the light? Number two, are you walking in the light? Or are we the light inspector for everybody else's life? Yeah, I see that person. I know what they do during, you know, they're there on Sunday like this. But I see them during the week, and I know what they're doing. Why don't you worry about you? I'll say it again. Why don't you worry about you? Why don't you worry about your light, how bright that is? Don't worry about the other person's light, okay? If they're believers, they got the same God you got. They have the same Bible you can read, amen? Got the same Holy Spirit inside them. Let the Holy Ghost deal with them. You worry about you. Turn to somebody and say, you worry about you. Hallelujah, I'm so glad I came to church tonight. We are now the body of Christ on the earth. That means that we are the light of the world. Wow, that sounds so arrogant, Pastor. Honey, go argue with Jesus when we get there. It's recorded for us in Matthew chapter 5. He said to the disciples and to the crowd that was assembled, you are the light of the world. It makes sense. Yes, he's the light of the world, but where is he now? Only a few people knew that. Where is he now? Seated where? At the right hand of God. Okay? Unless you receive a vision, you're not going to see Jesus on this earth until he returns. Who's here on the earth right now? Who's the source of all light on the earth right now? The Holy Spirit. Where does the Holy Spirit abide? Is he in the Holy of Holies in the temple in Jerusalem? No. That was destroyed 2,000 years ago. And even when the new one is built, 
I don't think he's going to be in there. Okay? But where does the Holy Spirit abide now? In us. So if he's the light, and he's in the church, then it's not arrogant for us to come to this conclusion. We are now the body of Christ on the earth. Is that true? Few people got it. We are now the body of Christ on the earth. That means we are the light of the world. The light which is Jesus in us should be drawing the lost and the unsaved to his light. People should not be being drawn to your light. I just love being a person that's such a charismatic personality. What? We're not drawn. We should not be drawn to people. We should not be drawing people to us. We should be drawing people to the light, to him, giving all the glory to him, giving all the credit to him, giving all the honor to him. Wow, I know so-and-so, man, they used to be such a degenerate and blah, 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 and those others, but now, man, man, they really cleaned their act up. Boy, you know, really, they're different. Yeah, how? It was the Lord that did it. It was the light that did it. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that did it. How dare we take credit? How dare we give credit? Boy, you know, you should hang around with so-and-so. They really, boy, they really picked themselves up. Really, really. Oh, they picked themselves up, huh? Hallelujah. So glad I came here to spend Saturday night. Second Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine where? In our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed how? In the face of Christ. In the face of Christ. Christmas reminds us that this is the time for the church to shine forth Jesus, the light of the world. Not just in our houses with our bright lights and decorations or on our trees, but in our hearts. I want to read you from Dr. Adrian Rogers. Phenomenal Bible scholar. His book, Bright Lights in a Dark World. How to be the light of the world. Jesus said we're the light of the world. But we don't know how to be the light of the world. So we need to find out how to be the light of the world. Share your faith in Christ. I'm just going to read from his book. God takes ordinary people and uses them to share his message to people who need him. When we share our faith, we spread his light. You were saved to shine. Don't hide your testimony or be ashamed to take your Bible to work. Don't be afraid to pray over your lunch at school or anywhere else. Let others know that you love the Lord Jesus. Let me tell you something. I figured this out the other day. We were were out to eat someplace. I don't remember where it was. I thought to myself, how many people like to get your food quick? Let me see. Just one, two. Don't lie. You're in church. How many people like to get your food quick? Okay. You know the best thing to do? Pray for your food. It never fails. As soon as you pray for your food, you open your eyes, and the waitress is right there with your food. Did anybody notice that? You try to do it strategic. You try to look around like, hey, this is a good time. Come on. Let's grab hands. Never fails. It's like they have a radar in the back. They're praying. Get out there right now. Interrupt, interrupt that prayer. Bring the food. Slop it down right in front of them. Don't you think that's a witness to people? 
Don't you think that's a witness to people? Now, when we lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, no big deal. In fact, it was the other way around. If somebody didn't pray for the food, you looked over the table like, they're going to hell. (laughs) But here, that's a witness to people. And, you know, don't get stupid and, and like, oh, God, please convict the hearts of all these non-believers in this room. <laughs> don't do that. Just pray. And listen, as another practical hint, pray as soon as you order the food. Don't wait till they bring it to the table. Why? Because when we pray, we pray, Father, we thank you that they're going to pick the right ingredients. They're not going to pick anything spoiled. They're not going to burn our food. They're, not, they're going to prepare it good because you watch over our food. Yes. Amen? Yes. I just imagine somebody to the cook, the cook going towards something to pick and all of a sudden the hand go, no. <laughs> so number one, share your faith in Christ. Look, we live in a society around you can talk about anything. You can talk about anything. Everybody talks about things. And most of it's TMI. Way too much information. I don't need to know about it. Especially if you're, everybody in the doctor's office. Why is it when you're sitting in the waiting room in the doctor's office, pe- people feel obligated to tell you all the details of why they're there? I don't need to know. Obviously, so I don't care about what's on your foot. I don't want to hear about the boil. I don't want to hear... J- just... But we're afraid to talk about Jesus. I'm getting so many reports of people with the cards that we, we don't have any out tonight, do we? The cards that, about praying for Jerusalem and praying for the Jewish people. We're getting so many reports. You got one there. Beautiful. We're getting so many reports of people having conversations. And everybody's saying the same things. The Jewish person that they speak to is stunned. They're shocked. What do you mean, you Christians are praying for us? You're supposed to hate us. There's supposed to be animosity. It's supposed to be an us against you. No, no, let me tell you something. Okay? We're making an effect on people's lives. Please, don't be afraid. Okay, just look. Hey, could I hand this to you? I, I, really, want to, to, I, I really want to bless you. Can I give this to you? I want you to know you're not on your own. That's all. And just walk away. Yeah, if, if the uh, opportunity opens up for a conversation, okay? You say, well, where can I go? And I don't really run into all of you. Go to Costco. <laughs> don't go on Saturday. <laughs> go to Costco. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get in trouble. You better, Jay, tell Chris, he better edit that piece out. Number two, shine together as the church. Jesus also talked of the strength of the collective light. Each house in a city with its lights on casts a glow across the sky. As Christians come together, there's a glow for the Lord that we cannot create individually. We shine the brightest when we shine together. We should be doing life together. I'll say it again. We should be doing life together. Make friends with people. Serve with people. It's the best way for you to build relationships is to get on a team and serve with a bunch of individuals. You really get to know people then. Amen? Amen. Number three, take the light where there is darkness or take the light where it's dark. 
Jesus describes that we are in the passage that we just talked about, that we're the light of the world, not the light of the church. We're the light of the world, not the light of the church. You know what we do as Christians? We get together and we go, look at how bright my light is. Look at how bright my light is. I had 16 visions last week. I read the Bible for six hours. Now I prayed in tongues for like five hours. Look at, how, look at how bright my light is. Look at my light. Look at me. Look at me. Look at how bright I am. No, he didn't call us the light to the church. He called us the light to the world. Amen. Now, you don't go in the world and go, look at how bright I am. I just prayed for six hours. I just read my Bible, and they're like, what do I care? Is this too real? Come on. Look, at the gospel is practical. It's practical. We don't walk around like a bunch of religious nuts. The world smells that from miles away. I got news for you. The world knows, is, knows how to pick out what's accurate, what's genuine more than we do. We, because I'm walking in love and all that stuff, and we put up with each other. But the people in the world don't put up with that because they say the person's a flake. Don't listen to them. Be real. Be a person. Be a human being. Be, be, be real. Be normal as a Christian. Are you getting this? means the light of Jesus must get beyond the church walls and take the light out to where it's dark. I remember, you know, we still do this from time to time, but there was a time, uh, I don't know, maybe six, seven, eight years ago, that we would send teams to apartment complexes, and we would tell them, you don't go empty-handed. You don't go to somebody's house empty-handed. You don't go to somebody's house empty-handed. Okay, so, so we would send teams to go minister to people in apartments and we would send, we would either bring bread or bagels or cookies or something or whatever. Nobody's gonna, you know, you got sweets with you? People are gonna listen to you. So, so our teams would go and knock on the door. Hey, listen, we'd like to bless you with this. We're from such and such church. We're, we're, we're Christians. We're, we believe that you know, Jesus, Jesus would want us to come here and bless you. They're speechless. People are speechless. They don't know what to do because they're not used to that. And so many times people would say, well, can I give you a donation? No. See, because the man's prideful response is, oh, no, no, let me pay for this so that, you know, now I really, I don't owe you anything. Let me pay for this because I don't owe you anything. And we go, no, 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 we're not here for donations. Please, no, put your money away. We just want to come and bless you while we're here. Is there anybody in the house that we can pray for? I can't tell you how many times the people go, please, my family members in the back, in that bedroom over there, very sick, could you go pray? And God would heal them. What, what we were doing? We're walking in the light. And we're shining the light. And we're bringing it where the light hasn't been, where it's dark. Amen? Matthew 28, 18. You guys know this. I'm not, I'm not giving you any scriptures tonight you haven't heard before. And Jesus came and spoke to them, the disciples, saying, All authorities are given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, you go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, or, or realize, I am always with you, even to the end of the age. Amen. Now, if we can't go by ourselves and we can't go ourselves, then we should do everything possible to help those who God has called to go. People ask me sometimes, do you go around and speak? No, in 26 years. I, to my knowledge, have I ever gone and spoke at another church? I don't think so. I have no desire for that. Why? I, this is my flock. This is, this is where God's called me. Now, I'm not saying that pastors that do that are wrong, but God's not called me to do it. God has called me to stay here and be the shepherd to this flock, to this pasture. I'm very content to do that. I'm not looking to go build a name for myself someplace and go to this one and go to that conference and speak at this conference and speak at that. No, that's not me. I'm not, I, know, I know where I'm supposed to be. I know where I'm supposed to be. But we in this church, with your giving and all of us together, we every month support 16 different active ministries. Okay. Every month, $8,800 goes out to different ministries. Some of them get a little bit more because they need a little bit more. Some of them get a little bit less. Okay? But we, you know, we're supporting some heavy-duty people right now. Okay, there's a ministry in Israel right now. They get a big chunk of our support every month. Why? Because they're the only born-again messianic Bible school in all of Israel where Arabs and Jews, former Jews, and well, they're still Jews, but they're believers in Christ, can sit and study together. That is extremely important. They're saturating through the social media all of Israel, and they're getting phenomenal results of even Orthodox community that are coming to the realization that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Now, that's somebody we want to put a lot of support to, right? And so we do that. Some of them, there is one ministry that can't even tell us where they go. If they do, they'll tell me privately, and they'll say, you can't share this, don't share it on Facebook, you really can't, but they'll go to North Korea, they'll go to Iran, they'll go to Iraq, they'll go to the places that nobody else wants to go. Now, not like the Dominican Republic, I'm in a mission trip, and I'm in Putacana on the beach. <laughs> now, we don't, we don't sow into that. We don't sow into the kind of ministries. Suffering for Jesus. So each month, we distribute $8,800 every single month. So in a sense, you're supporting these 16 ministries. Now, we don't always take an offering. Sometimes you will for specific ministries. Okay? But we do, because of your generosity, because of your faithfulness, we can do that without every month having to go up and go, hey, listen, we want to send this much to this ministry. That no, we just do it right off the top. Amen? Yeah. So... Tonight, we're going to end the service by highlighting two ministries. Now, one of them is one we support on a monthly basis. The other one is one that we're just taking on now. Okay? One is in Honduras. The other one is in Uganda, Africa. And they're both caring for orphaned children. So I want you to please draw your attention to the screens because we have an informative video here about those ministries.
Our child sponsorship program is the heart of Hope Ministries Uganda. Sponsoring a Seeds of Hope child provides them with three meals a day, education, and basic medical care. Through sponsorship, you are helping to bring hope to children who were once forgotten by society and only thought of as being less than human by local tribes. Scripture calls for us to vindicate the weak and fatherless, do justice to the afflicted and destitute. That's Psalm 82.3. The Batwa children have been forgotten by society. They've been thought of as animals by local tribes, and we are raising up a new generation of children through our sponsorship program who believe something very different. We believe that these children have value, that their lives have a purpose, and God has a plan for each one of their lives. So, at this time, we want to receive an offering for these two ministries. Whatever comes in this weekend from here, from other campuses, we will divide equally and send to Rich Caldwell Ministries in Honduras for the work that they're doing. They just took on another 10 children in their, and they just started this orphanage. And then the other 50% will go to this ministry in Uganda. Did you hear what they said? The other tribes in that area consider these children and these people of the Batwa tribe as animals, that they're subhuman. In this day and age, in 2023, there's still people who think this way. So I, wanna, I want us to bless them for Christmas. You know, now electronically, you can get funds anywhere overseas. You don't have to wait like years ago. It would take you two, three weeks for an envelope to get across the world. And we want to bless them in time for Christmas. So can you please take the time right now to fill out an envelope for whatever the Lord leads you, or to go ahead and give online. And, and right now, while, while you're doing that, our new kids, children's ministry, are going to treat us to a special Christmas presentation. So if you could welcome our precious children right now as they come in.
Yes, go right ahead, Sean. Hi. You guys did a great job. Yeah. Hallelujah. Awesome, huh? Let me tell you, this is what it's about. Investing in our children. The importance, my God, especially during this time here, the importance of us placing so much focus upon our children, upon these next generations that are coming up. Uh, I believe that God honors that when we pour into our children. And um, I don't want to say too much, but we'll have some good things to talk about that in the coming year. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So, um, you'll be dismissed in just a moment here. Those of you that are giving into this offering tonight, uh, the ushers will be at the back doors with the buckets for you to put that in. If you give online, uh, please make sure when you give online, if you're ready, you went online to our giving page, you'll see that there's a little tab called Missions, entitled Missions. You can, there's a drop down there you can give and go specifically for that. And listen to me, 100% of what comes in for that offering will go to those two ministries, in addition to the other 16 ministries that we support on a monthly basis. Amen. Don't forget about the other ministry that we took on just a few weeks ago, uh, Solid Rock Ministries, which is ministering specifically in Cuba, okay, not only uh, spreading the gospel, but also feeding individuals, feeding families there, okay? Look, God has blessed us. We are an extremely blessed ministry here, an extremely blessed church, a blessed group of people. But honestly, we could do that if it wasn't for your generosity and for your faithfulness. So when you're praying over your finances, when you're praying over the welfare of your family and the individuals that are close to you, understand, okay, that you have sown into these ministries through your giving, through the paying of your tithes, through your offerings, and that you have a part in that, okay? So expect to receive along those lines. When you pray, don't only be praying and sowing seeds, be praying and receiving a harvest into your life. Now, sometimes that harvest comes back in, as financially, or sometimes that harvest comes back in other different areas. But know this, God said, he who gives to the poor is like he lends unto God, and God will be a debtor to no man. In other words, whatever you do for the poor, God will make sure that it comes back to you. Amen? That's a promise that you have for him. Well, I don't want anything from God. Okay, well, when it comes, give it to somebody who needs it. Amen? Thank you for being here tonight. I hope that you enjoyed this wonderful Christmas presentation by our precious children, your precious children. Okay, remember, please, if you have not registered yet for Christmas weekend, Friday night here, 7 o'clock. Saturday night will be 4 and 6 o'clock. I hope I got that right. Okay, Sunday would be our normal 9 and 11. Now, Bayville is 9 and 11 on Sunday. Normally they have one service, but next Sunday they'll be having two services there. Walt Township will be having their regular 10 a.m. service. Please register somewhere so that we know how many people to expect. We'll know if we need to just shut down one of the services uh, because it's too, you know, too overbooked or too many people uh, are coming to that particular service so that when you get here, you'll find a seat.
Okay, but if you don't tell us you're coming, we're not going to be able to do that. And normally, some of the services get, get booked immediately, right away, and so then we'll let you know, okay, there's seats available on Friday night, or there's seats available at 9 o'clock Sunday morning, whatever it is. But if you don't tell us that you're coming, and specifically which campus you're going to come to, then we don't know how to do that, okay? So uh, we don't want to have uh, you come here and not be able to get in and get a seat. So we hope that you'll cooperate that way. God bless you for coming tonight. God bless you for giving in that offering. Let's really, let's really let these orphans know we care about them. If nobody else cares about them, we care about them. Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, come on up. If not, go enjoy the rest of the weekend.